we're not trying to be like the best. We just want to be. Mm-hmm. And we want to create a, an atmosphere that's, that's, that's universal to all New Yorkers. And then we want to create a product that is New York. And it's of high quality. Yeah. We don't care to be number one. It's not, that's not the goal. The goal is we want to make a great product that people go, I could stand behind that. This is my city. That's my vodka. Hi, my name is Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. On this episode recorded in August of 2018, we spoke to Dave Ortiz, owner of Our New York Vodka. Here's what Betsy Bover-Pallavi, founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about this business. Our New York Vodka, I stumbled upon only recently, just as he was getting ready to open in the spring of 2018. And I met Dave the owner, and he was so excited to show me around and to talk to me about vodka and to share his distillery in the back, which is beautiful and just the coolest thing ever that vodka is being made on 26th Street now. And he he's an artist. He's brilliant. He And then as we were chatting, he told me that he had owned Dave's Quality Meat, and I was so excited because that was one of the first places that I went to in the East Village when I first began walking. So we have now begun this lovely relationship and who doesn't love vodka and who doesn't love a really cool place to drink it? Uh, my name is Dave Ortiz, or David Ortiz, I like to say. That's my real name. That's my government name. And um, I'm David Ortiz without the home runs. <laughs> uh, I am, a, I guess, the proprietor of, a, of the first vodka distillery or the first distillery in Manhattan. Since Prohibition. So, yeah. Cool. And what's it called? It's called Our New York Vodka. Cool. And could you tell me the address? Yeah, it's uh, 151 West 26th Street between 6th and 7th Avenue. It's part of a bigger project called Our Vodka. And we basically have micro distilleries around the world. And um, right currently we have seven cities where I'm the seventh city. So the first city is Our Berlin and Our Detroit and Our Seattle and Our... London, our Amsterdam, Los Angeles, and then now New York and then Miami. So so how did you end up getting hooked up with this company? Why did they choose you to be the person running the New York branch? Well, initially their whole thing is to get someone who's from the city that they are opening in rather than like having some dude from Ohio that's like, hey, I'm New York, and you're not really. And um, so they wanted a real New Yorker. and uh, And also... They wanted an entrepreneur, and I, I'm basically that. Uh, I have multiple businesses here in New York, you know, from, you know, me and my friends or having a, a skateboard company called Zoo York. And um, then I did a lifestyle brand called Dave's Quality Meat. And then um, I had a bicycle brand or a bike shop called Dave's Warehouse. And then... Um, then they gave me a phone call, and I thought it was a complete joke. Uh, I was just like, there's, you know, you know, I get calls all the time to make things with different brands. So initially, it's this guy going, hey, I work for a spirits company. Love to talk to you about um, marketing and design, and, you know, could I have a meeting? So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I like meeting people, and I, you know, just to get out of the studio is always fun. And um, Sky comes over, and I'm in my head going, some spirit brand wants me to make a label. I do a box. 
I throw a party, I get a few bottles of booze out of it. Right. Easy. Sounds good. Right? (laughs) So then he sits down with me and he starts talking and he's like, well, you know, we could, you could help with some design. And how about you, you never thought about running a distillery? And I was like, fuck are you talking about? You know, what would, why, what would I, I I know about drinking? I was like, I don't know about making. (laughs) And I was just like, that's kind of odd. Why would, and then he said, well, I can't tell you anymore. Would you be interested in meeting the founders? And I was like, well, you got my interest. Yeah. And then he leaves and he's like, well, I'll get back in touch with you. And then. You did know. you ever, did you think that you were going to hear from him again? Like, were you? No, I just was like, somebody really pulled my chain. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that was amazing. And I was like, wow. Because my me and my friends, we've always done it, you know, back to back years of this, like practical jokes. Like one time my friend tried, he sent me a letter from a lawyer when I had Dave's Quality Meat. And I had a logo with a D and a bone in it. And he said he was representing Purdue. And they owned the bone. <laughs> and I was like, what? And they were trying to sue me for the bone. They were like, we own the chicken bone. And I was just like, what the fuck? So they really, and I went, I went crazy. And I literally thought I was being sued by yeah. Purdue. So when this happened, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is it. They're doing it to me again. And then I get an email from the founders saying, we'll be in New York, and would you like to meet? And I was like, all right, well, this is it. They're going to get me now. So then I meet with these people, and it's three Swedish people, and they begin to tell me the story of this small little bottle, about being disruptive, about changing the vodka game, because the, the spirit industry has been run the same way for years, and it's the same, like, you know, the same way everybody goes about it. They're like, oh, we got the brand and then we'll get an endorsement from this guy. And then we have the pretty ladies serving the drinks. Mm-hmm. And then, so it's always been, and then they wanted to do something that was really a global brand run locally. And I was like, that's really fucking interesting. But these people are really actors. You know, the whole time they're telling me, I'm interested, but I'm still thinking that they're actors. Yeah, yeah. And they're like... Like, this would be a great idea if it was real, like... (laughs) Exactly. So I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I was like... And then they they were like, we want to make you a partner. And I was like, really? I was like, oh my God, that's so awesome. You guys are so cute. We only met 20 minutes ago and you guys want to make me a partner. And they were dead serious. And I was just cracking jokes the whole time. And then... um, they they like, oh, would you like to go to dinner? And I was like, of course I would go to dinner. And I was like, at least I get a meal out of it. You know, this joke is great. And I go to dinner and we're talking about, you know, the, 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 the brand and what we're going to do. And I'm totally with it. But again, I'm still not believing this thing. And then um, we leave and then we hug and we're like, yes, we're opening a distillery. And I was just like, and then I go home and I'm like, I can't believe these crazy people think that I'm buying this, you know? <laughs> And then they send me another email saying, we want to fly you to Berlin. And I was like, okay, this is really getting expensive, this joke. Yeah. You know, somebody's really trying to pull my leg. And then um, I go to Berlin and I meet six other people similar to my scenario. Like, who are these people? We're here in Berlin. There's a distillery in front of us. Right. This is actually real. Right. The it's, other, like, uh, the people other who partners. are going to be running. Yeah. 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 So... You know, then I was like, okay, this is real. And then it became really real. And then, and then that was the first I called Vodka Summit. And um, 
we all kind of met and just none of us really believed it. Yeah. Because it's just so crazy. Like, who gets a phone call to run a distillery? Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, don't worry. You don't need any money. Yeah. You run it. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you know how they found you? I was on a list of 10 people. Yep. And um, I was number three. I wasn't that great. You know, three is pretty great. Three, three is pretty great. Oh, I guess oh. so. So the first guy, they, they, something happened and then it couldn't work out with him. Uh-huh. And it was, they wanted to open in Harlem. And the problem with opening in Harlem is you can't open a liquor store or a bar 500 feet from a church or a school. So Harlem is littered with that. Yeah, and totally. So that's, no that, that kind of ended that. And then the guy was just like, nah, he couldn't yeah. do it. And then the second guy, they called him, and he didn't pick up the phone. Get and a load of are. that. Yeah. And then the third guy, hello. I was uh. like, sure, I'll take a meeting. <laughs> I don't know what you're, you're, who you are, but why not? <laughs> cool. And I met with him, and then that was that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And you ended up designing the whole space for our New York vodka. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about building that space and, and how you found it and the process of? Well, finding it was, it was, it, it was by necessity because we needed a zoning called M1, okay. manufacturing zoning. And- um, Is that because of the distillery? Yes, yeah. because we're manufacturing vodka. Right. So uh, so what I did was download the map off of the Department of Buildings of all the M1 zone places. And I knew I had a, a specific length with height of ceiling and I needed a basement. And um, so I systematically started uptown and worked my way downtown from 48th Street to 26th Street, 6th Avenue to 12th Avenue. But then I come to find out that the map that I had has not been updated. So mm. I, I lost three avenues or two avenues because of the Hudson Yards. So then I just kind of just up and down every street. And you'd find a place and it'd be too short and it had a basement but not wide enough. And there was all these weird things. And then I got desperate and I started asking because I knew I needed a one-story space and um, because of ventilation. And okay. the ventilation process of the distillery, if you have a one-story building, it's easier to ventilate. You're only going up one story. Makes sense. And um, so I started asking the garages over in the high 40s, like 44th Street, 45th, 46th. And there's the parking garages for the taxis. And um, so I started asking those guys, and they were like, nah, beat it, blah, 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 you're crazy, whatever, give me, you know, $20 million. So it didn't work out. And then um, as I was getting down to the wire on 26th Street, I saw this location. It had a green box in front of it, a little phone number on the top. And I said, what do I have to lose? You know, it's probably not going to work out anyway. And I called. And the landlord said, yeah, sure, come on in. You can check it out. And when I walked in, boom, I was like, yo, I've been here before. And the guy was like, what? And I was like, was this place called the Sculpture House? And the guy was like, yeah, how did you know? And I was like, well, I'll tell you this. (laughs) When I was a kid in 1991 or whatever, when I went to FIT and I took a sculpture class, lo and behold, I had to go to that space to buy my art supplies. Wow. So for me, it was serendipity. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, we found the space and everything worked out. And That's then amazing. I had called um, the global uh, team in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. And I said, I found us a space. And they were like, okay, hold on. And everybody like, and everybody came Scrambled down. Yet. 
And then um, we had to make a decision. Do we take the space or do we wait and try to like get all our permits together? And I was like, there's no space. If we don't right. take the space, we're going to have to move to Brooklyn or Manhattan. Or, I mean, to the Bronx. Yeah. And nobody, we all, we all wanted to be in Manhattan. Yeah. It was like, we made our minds up. If you're going to do it, do it in New York. And yeah. we took the space. And then we had to work backwards and kind of make that space work for what we needed. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out how to get the, the sort of vibe of the space. Well, that, that, the vibe of the space basically is, is really, if it's, if, it's, if it's welcoming and it's open and when you walk in and somebody's like, hey, how's it going? You know, our bartenders are like, you ever walk into a Japanese restaurant and they go, oh, you know, they welcome you and you're like, yeah. whoa, this is kind of crazy. So we sort of do that, but in a little bit less crazy way. We're just like, hey, how's it going? Would you like a glass of water? It's hot outside. Those little things go a long way. At the end of the day, we're just working our job and the customer, it's all about the customer. Yeah. They're the cool ones because they figured out that this place is cool. <laughs> go figure. How do you feel like your experience as a New Yorker informed your goals for, for the space, for the bar as like a, a meeting place? Well, for me, I mean, it's important that people feel comfortable and it doesn't feel specific for one genre. A lot of places fall into that and they fall victim because it's easy, you know? And you're like, okay, this is that kind of a bar and it's, you know, the guy, the business suit guy and, mm-hmm. and his girlfriends and they're like, you know, and, and sure, that's cool. And I'm not saying that those people suck or anything, but it becomes just those people. And then mm-hmm. you, who want, like a regular guy like me wouldn't want to go in there. I like to mix it up. I like everybody to be in there, you know, gay, straight, black, white, brown, green, yellow, purple, <laughs> you know, horseshoes and green clovers. Um, I think that they're, that's what really is New York. And when I was younger in New York and I used to work in the nightclub scenes in the 80s, um, everybody hung out with everybody. So... It was a mixture of everything. I mean, and nobody really, everybody kind of got along. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so segregated. We just, everything is so segregated and so like, you have to hang out here and you drink these drinks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just think that that's kind of corny. Mm-hmm. And just like, it's, it's the soul of New York. I mean, it's the melting pot of the world. Mm-hmm. And why can't we keep it that way? I don't know. How much help were you getting from the Stockholm team Oh, every, everything. I was just the cute guy who found the space. <laughs> and then um, once we got the space, then it was the whole technical uh, team and engineers and lawyers. And they dealt with the fire department. They dealt right. with the DOB. They dealt with the build-out, the contractors. And then they were like, okay, Dave, now it's the front. Right. Because the way that the, the, the project works is a technical team builds the distillery. And the distillery is basically a laboratory. And then each partner has to, they get to decide or design what the front of the house looks like, uh-huh. which is the tasting room. Uh-huh. And that's where I came in. And I, I painted the walls, um, picked the um, concrete tops, uh, made the bar back. So the walls, basically, when I, paint, when I painted it, 
Um, it was a matter of how do you make a bar look and feel like New York without being cheesy? Mm -hmm. You know, most places, or not most places, but a lot of places you go to, they overdo it. And they put everything in the kitchen sink on the walls, you know. You got Ebbets Field and mm -hmm. Yankee Stadium. And I'm more New York than you. I found the <laughs> oldest map, you know. And you're just like, come on, man. I've seen it a bazillion times. Uh -huh. So then I said to myself, I said, all right, well, what do I want to do? And initially, I was going to make stencils of buildings. It was my first initial idea. And I put them and juxtaposed them and make these weird shapes. And, and then um, I thought I was cool. And then until I went to get lunch that day. And I walked literally three or four doors down the street from us, uh, uh, Subway. Uh -huh. And I'm standing in line and I look on the walls and that was on the walls. Oh. They had these buildings juxtaposed all weird. <laughs> and they had a Subway with it. And I was like, oh my God, I almost blew it. Yeah. So then I had to go back to the drawing board. And then I basically broke it down to the simplest form. I said, well, what do, what if I was, I said, what, do every, what, what is it that every New Yorker sees? I asked myself that question, and then I said, pick three elements. If we, if, and then I said, okay, I got it. And then I, so when you walk into the space, you see black, gray, blue. And basically, it's the three elements, the street, the sidewalk, and the sky. But it's upside down, so it's not so literal, uh -huh. number one. And uh, number two is because the way the lights hang, the lights create a shadow, and because we have so much ductwork, I wanted the darkness to kind of hide it and, and make it like a fake ceiling. Yeah. So that's why I chose to put the, the, the black on the top. But um, yeah, so those are the three elements. And then uh, with the bar back, again, how do you make a bar back look like something other than an Irish pub? So then what I chose, I, I, uh, I always, if I get stuck, I call in a friend. You always, you know, at, the smartest people ask for help. So I ask for help. And I called up a friend and he was in Vegas working on a restaurant. And I said, hey man, I got to design a bar back. And he was like, oh, that's easy. And I was like, but I'm stuck. And he goes, if I told you once, I told you a thousand times, use the thing for the thing. I got to go. Click and it hangs up. <laughs> and use the thing for the thing meant look around New York, find something that looks like it, and that's the thing. So I looked around New York. I found a cast iron building in Soho and made the facade of the building. And wow. that's how I made the bar back. Very cool. So do you think that people are going to be trying to open their own distilleries? I most certainly hope they do. Because if they do, then it brings awareness to all of us. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. You know, it isn't, we're not trying to be like the best. We just want to be. Mm -hmm. And we want to create a, an atmosphere that's, that's, that's universal to all New Yorkers. And then we want to create a product that is New York, and it's of high quality. Yeah. We don't care to be number one. It's not, that's not the goal. The goal is we want to make a great product that people go, I could stand behind that. This is my city. That's my vodka. That's it. And if I could get 10 people to do that, then I'm successful. And that's how I gauge everything in my life. Yeah. It's based on 10 people. If I could get 10 people to like it, I think we're a success. Yeah. Do you have any tips for business owners who would be trying to do a similar thing where they're not trying to aim at a specific sort of like target audience, but they're trying to... To broaden their mm -hmm. horizons? I mean, invite everybody. Mm -hmm. Throw different parties. Mix it up. Um, 
That's what I think is the key. And that's what I tried to do, mm-hmm. you know, between, you know, I did an event with the people who did, um, what is the, the Cooper Hewitt Museum um, project, local projects. I worked, did an event with them. Mm-hmm. I did an event with the Historical um, Society. You know, then I did an event with some, just some regular folk mm-hmm. that uh, work in the office building, some startup cool. tech people. Yeah. So I'm just, and, and, it's, and it's always changing. Yeah. And it's, it's important to get different types of people, different shapes, different sizes, you know. Yeah. Um, and as long as you stay true to that, I think it'll work. Yeah. When you were starting our New York Vodka, what were some lessons that you pulled from your previous businesses that felt sort of universal to, to small business ownership? lessons i would have to say more so assets that i've picked up because there are things that from those other businesses that i could use for instance a bad guy i needed i needed shopping bags mm-hmm. and i already had a bad guy through my dave's warehouse um, and Dave's Quality Meat. Mm-hmm. So I called that guy up, and I'm like, hey, I got a new business. And he was like, no shit, da-da-da. And boom, you could open up accounts. I needed a box guy, and I called up this dude that I previously worked for years ago, and he was really happy. I have a T-shirt guy who used to print my T-shirts, and um, it was I called him up, and I was like, hey, I started a new company. I'm going to need to make some T-shirts. Here are my designs, da da da. So I gotta get I get a good price. So it's assets that I were able to carry over. It wasn't lessons that, like, oh, don't do that. That's hot. You know, mm-hmm. don't touch that. It was stuff that I could carry over into this business. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as as like that, like, oh, right. don't do that. It, there's a lot of stuff that transfers over. Right. Like you know? using your relationships and building using good your relationships. relationships. Right? That goes back to what you were saying about just like not being an asshole. Yep. Yeah. Because all those people would be more than happy to work with you. Yeah. Again. Yeah. So those that's the difference is it's it's assets, not um stuff that you kind of like failed at. Yeah. But that's where failing is where all the learning is. Mm-hmm. That's where the sweet stuff is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you've been the first for a couple things, and I know that that's that's been sort of a big deal for. It's kind for of interesting. Uh, not too many people get to say that. Yeah. Um, I so happen to be able to say it twice now. <laughs> uh, I was the first. Uh, I opened a concept store in New York in 2002, where I designed a store to look like something, like actually look like a butcher shop, but it was designed. It was a menswear store. And it was called Dave's Quality Meat. And the whole idea came from an actual butcher place in the meatpacking district that's historic and landmark called Dave's Quality Veal. It's on 13th Street, 425 West 13th Street. Some guy sent me a photo of it yesterday. He was like, I'm in front of this place. Is this where it comes from? I was like, yes. Yep. <laughs> I was like, everything comes from something. Uh-huh. And um, so, yeah, I opened this store on East 3rd Street. And it was amazing. And I designed shoes for everybody from Nike to Converse to Adidas and so on and so forth and made crazy t-shirts. And, you know, that was when the first, like, the line where people were camping out. And, you know, there was only a few stores where that happened. It was my store, my friend's stash store, these other guys called A-Life. And that whole waiting for whatever, that whole movement 
you know, streetwear. And, you know, that was kind of cool. Right. Were you doing, uh, like, small batch stuff? Is that why? Yeah, like, it was the same yeah. thing, small yeah. batch. Yep. <laughs> Just, it all ties back to the same principle. Yeah. That's why I love this project, because it's yeah. all about small batch. Yeah. Based on quality and limited um, quantity. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had the first uh, concept store. Now I have the first distillery in Manhattan since Prohibition. So cool. I am very blessed to kind of get those two things. I mean, now I don't really know many people, but... Yeah, I try especially to, not in New York where there's so much going on all the time. And it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, no, but it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Within the small batch production, do you distribute to places around the city? What happens with those bottles of vodka? Oh, well, well, yes, we, of course, we distribute. Um, we work with a company called Winebow, and we sell to liquor stores, restaurants, bars, and hotels, and even, um, uh, what do you call it, duty-free. We started okay. doing that. So that's like another- Like in airports. Like in airports, yeah. yeah. And it's the that's perfect great, bottle yeah. to go. Yeah. Instead of the I Heart New York shirt, why not? Yeah. Get a bottle of vodka made in New York. Right, totally. Awesome. And you can keep the bottle after you finish yeah. the vodka and the you bottle's have the bottle. Cute. Yeah, it's cute. It Put is a so cute. In it. Yeah. So so yeah, we work with the wine bow and um on our website right now, I mean right now in the, in three months, I think we opened up about hundred and fifty accounts. So there's wow. a bottle of, of vodka closer to you than you think. Yeah. And <laughs> So that was, this is another thing that I do is, you know, I designed the website. So I had to figure out how to do this map thing and add this widget thing where it has these cute little bottles and you could zoom in or you could put your zip code and it'll tell you exactly where there's a liquor store or a restaurant that sells our product. Wow. So it's kind of convenient. And, and I, this is something I never designed a website. Yeah. I had to learn that. So that's, you know. New skill. New skill. New skill. Yeah, it's a beautiful website too. Definitely. Thanks. Yeah, people should be checking that out. So, so yeah, to see how far it has gone from 26th Street yeah. to as far as Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And you see it just go up the island of Manhattan. <laughs> all these little bottles into Queens, out into Montauk. And then you start going upstate New York and it's like Hudson Valley, Beacon, blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, whoa, it's going west. Yeah, and, and I can't believe that there are bottles all the way out into Buffalo. Yeah, that's so incredible. It's it's wild, man, yeah. to see it. Yeah. Like, so for me, it's cool. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh my God, my little baby, it's out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm really stoked about that. Cool. And you you so you use your vodka, obviously, in the cocktails that you make. Yes. And then you, lots of other stuff, right? Yes. So what we, in our cocktails, one of the things about our bar is that we decided, me and Rustin, my bar manager, decided that the products that we sell to use as the mixers and stuff like that should be other small distilleries like us. Yeah. So again, creating the community of small distilleries. And, you know, if a person wanted to get a maker's mark, you know, you could go anywhere. Why would you want to go to a small distiller? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for us, that was important. And, um, and you know, we make vodka. Why would we carry anybody else's vodka? You know, if you want somebody else's vodka, you're in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
So, um, so all of our cocktails on our cocktail list are vodka-based uh, drinks, but we also make other cocktails. So you could say, say if you wanted an old-fashioned, you can right. get an old-fashioned, right. you know, a proper old-fashioned. But we do make, a, uh, and I call it the old-fashioned district. So it's a play on the old-fashioned, but made with vodka. Uh-huh. And it's super delicious. Uh-huh. So, And then I, I always have a good time, like, naming drinks. That's my whole thing is having fun and not taking your... I wanted to make this drink, and we didn't do it. And it was a dirty martini. And I was like, we, well, we should call it the East River. And, <laughs> and, and everybody, like, we, like, passed it around. And people were like, ooh, that doesn't... I don't know about that. Uh-huh. And I was like, all right. So, yeah. Table it. Yeah. Put it in the vault. Put it in the vault. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah. Oh, some of the other names. uh, The Washington Heights Mule, which is a play on the um, Moscow Mule. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did a drink called the Voso, which is named after my friend Jenny Lee. Because she would, I've known this woman probably 17 years now. And every time I hung out with her, I've never seen her drink anything else but a vodka soda. And she would always go, she's like, honey, go get me a Voso. And she would call it Voso. And I was like, as soon as I was like, I'm going to name a drink after her. Because she always calls she it the Voso. It. She yeah. deserves it. Yeah. She earned it. So there's the Voso. There's the um, the World's Fair Spritz. You know, the fountain uh, uh, in, in uh, Flush and Meadow Park. Yeah. It's always got that like mist that spritz in the air. So mm-hmm. I named this, you know, Spritz after that. Curb Your Dog. Name based on the salty dog. But, you know, it's one of those signs that people who aren't from New York, you know, or who come here for the first time, they're like, what is curb your dog? What does that mean? Do you bend your dog? Right. And it's literally, take your dog and let it poo in the street on the sidewalk. So, you know, stuff like that. Curb your dog. And um, what else do we have? Do you have a favorite cocktail on the menu? Probably be Washington Heights Mule. I like ginger and ginger beer and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Where do you get the other products that you use in the cocktails? Like the any of the like fresh products like ginger or or is it in is it in other like liquors or do you No, get- no, we buy fresh fruit from what is that guy? We buy you know all fresh ingredients and um kind of make the stuff on site. Yeah, cool. How how do you find your suppliers and sort of recognize the quality of their product considering that you've never you well, know, had a distillery before? Okay. Obviously, that's okay. not me. That is done through our global team who have, who have done this before and they have the knowledge and the know-how and they're the ones who um they do they do all the analysis and say okay this is a quality product mm-hmm. and then my distillery manager who i hired who's also a chemist works through the guidelines of what they say and then he produces it exactly how they want it. okay so that being said what is what is a regular day look like for you my day yeah oy vey it could go. It could go all over the place. Like, uh, I'll come in, check my emails, because in Sweden they're up way earlier, right. so I have to answer what they they need answered. Right. Then it's like, okay, what does sales need? And then the bar reaching out to different people that are hitting us up, like, hey, can I rent the space out on this Dutch and Dutch date? And and and, and it's, so it's a lot of like, it's you know, it's running a business. So I know um, that this space took a little while to, it to took build. It four and a half years mm-hmm. uh, to build this space. I mean, a lot of it was getting the approval of the FDNY and the DOD. Okay. It wasn't like, like, you know, we were just slacking. Right. Was uh, that specifically, again, because of the distillery? And yes. The, yeah. Yes, because uh, the last 
thing on record, you know, since Prohibition was, it's illegal to store ethanol on the island of Manhattan. We don't want it. So we had to kind of work with the DOB and, okay. and make it possible. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what else happened in those four and a half years? Like what? A lot of it was just sitting on our hands. Uh-huh. Because we could not build anything until you got the variants and said, okay, you guys are allowed to build anything. Mm-hmm. So we sat for three and a half years. We made, a, we made a documentary in the meantime where I traveled around figuring out how to open a distillery, which was sort of fun. Good use of time, yeah. It was a good use of time. Yeah. So, you know, we made content in a sense for the whole brand. Yeah. But um, New York, just we just was like, oh my God. Every month was like, is it going to happen? Right. Is it going to happen? Yeah. And then finally we were like, we got the variants. And then it was like, boom. Yeah. Construction crew came in, machinery came in, and it was popping. Yeah. Every day was something else. Walls were up and it was just like, whoa. And then it was like, Dave, you got to build this front space now. Did you keep up with other projects while you were working on that? Like, were you, especially as an artist, were you working on anything else? Are you currently working on anything else? I was working, I did a lot of like side random things, designing stuff for people. Made some logos for some uh, marijuana companies. And Mm -hmm. um, then I did a project for this this bag company called Timbuktu. Uh Uh-huh which just came out um, recently where I designed these three bags based on the simplest bag in the world, which is a brown shopping bag. And I made these, like, I made a tote bag, that, like a bag that you would get from Trader Joe's yeah. that transforms into a backpack. Then I made a sandwich bag that transforms into a fanny pack. And then I made a 12-ounce beer bag just in case if you wanted to walk around with a beer <laughs> yeah. and you didn't have a bag. Or a bottle of vodka. Or a bottle of vodka. <laughs> and, um, but that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> you know? I would not recommend. <laughs> not recommend that. And um, so, yeah, and then and they came out just recently and it's, people are really digging them. And, and it's the simplest thing. And I've, yeah. I've been holding on to this idea for like 15 years. You know, I just had it in the vault and then it, the opportunity came and I was just like, okay, here's the design. Boom. Here you go. And they were like, already? And I was like, yeah. So I kind of do things all the time. I'm constantly working on stuff. And sometimes I'll just put it in the vault. So with your vodka all the way up in Buffalo, uh, what did that take to get it up there? Was that active? Was it just, did it just sort of travel because of the quality of the product? Well, a lot of it is our distributor. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I can't take credit for, for all of that. I mean, yeah, sure, we have a great product. But it was important for us to find a partner with a brand or, you know, a distributor that sort of had the same values as us. Mm -hmm. And since we work with this company, Winebow, they more focus in on high-quality wines. Mm -hmm. And so our product, I feel, sits great with that wine customer. Because the wine customer wants to know the ingredients. They want to know where it's made, who made it, blah, 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 blah. So, and for, for them, they get a story, but it's in a spirit. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, it's made on 26th Street. It's the first distillery mm-hmm. in Manhattan. They make it with the highest quality products. Have a taste. You know, when you taste it, there's these fruity notes, this citrusy flavor, and these floral sensation, and this round body and fullness when you drink it. So that right there ties in. So mm-hmm. the distributor 
it's easy for them to sell the product because at the end of the day, they're not bullshitting. Right. You know, they're, right. everything that they're saying is correct. And it's not based on a cool bottle shape. It's not based on a great label because our bottle is fairly simple. It's simple, yeah. And our label is a paper label with a black screen print. You know, mm-hmm. it's nothing special. Mm-hmm. And what's in the bottle is what's special. Yeah. So for them to sell a high-quality product, boom, it works. So it's easy to go up, get it to Buffalo. So it's it's important to know who, know your product and then yeah. to know who to partner with. Yeah. What do you, but real quick, just just can you tell us a little bit about um, what, what you do in terms of your social media presence? I think that the social media thing is really interesting because you see some brands and they have their social media and it's so vague where it's kind of like they got these imageries and they're beautiful and, 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 and it's designed really well. But what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like It's all about the aesthetic. And, it's, like- and it's this weird aesthetic. And I think that there's something to it where a brand is like, oh, that's real. There's something real. They're like photographs of me hugging customers. This mm-hmm. one dude came from Sweden. Like He was from, I forgot where he was from. Switzerland, who had been to every distillery. He was some rich dude. Wow. And I thought that that, and he was like, I've been dying for our New York to open. I am Aww. here. And he bought a bottle. And I was like, that's cool. So there's something about a reality brand that you could really be like, wow, that's actually something mm-hmm. there. They, it, they're not faking it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not putting images of like staircases. Mm-hmm. The fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's beautiful photograph. Yeah. And then the next photo is Bob Dylan. Right. Like, what? Like, why? What why? is that? He's like, great, but, like, He's great, why? but what does that have to do yeah. with you? <laughs> right. You know? You know, knocking on heaven's door. Like, I get it. I love the song, too. But what does he have to do with me? So, so it's, it's, I don't know. And maybe I'm completely wrong. You know what I'm saying? But I just feel that there's certain, you know. So I make my, our Instagram look like, a real Instagram of mm-hmm. somebody who is living a life. So mm-hmm. I'm, I create this brand is living a life mm-hmm. of its own and it's happening within the store. So it's like photos of people who have been there and things that we are doing and drinks that we are making. And sure, it's, it's I think, but I think our engagement rate is really positive because people That's are great. really connecting to it. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about the process of branding and, and creating your character um, and how that's been different from one business to another? Well, in the Dave's Quality Meet, that was based on my graffiti tag. And so everything sort of had revolved around this chicken leg, right? And it was more about comedy. And then... Then, was the chicken leg part of your graffiti tag? Yes. Okay, okay. So I would write the word meat, and then I was, and then when I would just write, when I first started writing the word meat, now this is early 90s, and it was just a word, and it was M with the backwards E-A-T. So I stylized the word meat, and then I was like, you know what, I need a Nike check. I need to figure the out swoosh. what's my swoosh. Yeah. So people could associate that thing with my name. So then I'd figure out how to draw this chicken leg. So then I would write the chicken leg with the word meat. 
and then I would write me, and then without the chicken legs. So then, then you start bringing back both front and back. Yeah. And so I did the same thing with the T-shirts at Dave's Quality Meat. Okay. And then it was, then I was like, okay, then I incorporated the D, and then I put the chicken bone in there, and it was the negative space. So then people saw the D with the bone, and they associated the meat. And so there's, there's different layers of how to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's like, okay, how do we tell the story with the vodka, the name, our New York, mm-hmm. and the bottle? Mm-hmm. Those are the three elements. So it's, it's starting with, with the name. If you look at our Instagram, it's all it's it just just kind of the name, the word, and then the bottle pops up, and then it's slowly integrating into the the lifestyle of New York, and then then it's the the photo of New York with the name on top of it. So now, so so I'm kind of weaving in all these three elements: mm-hmm. the bottle, the city, and right. the name. So it's about storytelling. It's all those. about storytelling through. But you can't, you can't, a lot of brands sometimes got, they got too many things. Yeah. So you have to keep it small. Yeah. And keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. So, so you have three things. People could digest three things. Yeah. And, and for us, it's the, the, the drinks and all that, the cocktails, yep. the city and the name, mm-hmm. and then it's the bottle. So the bottle goes around town. And then you could kind of cross you know, market those things, mm-hmm. the bottle within an iconic space in the city. Boom. Now you have both. You know, then it's the, the city by itself. And then it's like our New York. Right. And then it's what we make, the cocktails. Right. So it's, it's literally, that's, if you could kind of do that, and you just rotate them. Yep. You know. Shuffleboard. Shuffleboard. Mm-hmm. And like, I already know that I need a photo of somebody at the distillery and I, you know, that because I already have my my two, the three things already done. So I'm thinking about the next thing. So mm-hmm. when you're working on projects yourself, because you're working under a franchise, do you have to run run those ideas by the higher ups? Like if you're doing a T-shirt or yeah, I mean, when I, I I've came up with this ours yours yours mine ours mm-hmm. uh, at the last uh, vodka summit. And they fell in love with it. And they were like, cool. can we use that? enough?" And that's what the whole Vodka Summit's about. Right. It's about, because we're a family yeah. of, of seven distilleries. Right. And if global something family. works, we're a global family. Yeah. So, of course, they can use it. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I, I submit and I say, hey, this is what I'm making. And then if you guys want to do it, do you guys want to get in on it with me? Mm-hmm. I could produce it. And then I could have it distributed right. out Ship to, it out. you know. Yep. Because then, at the end of the day, I'm trying to get a better price for me. Yep. As, you know, as I should. Yeah. So. Better so. price for you is a better price for everyone. I <laughs> exactly. Mean, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, um, so yeah, we, we, we all kind of work together and we do things. And, you know, some, some things don't translate to us. Yeah. Like, I think that the L.A. guys have this really brilliant um, slogan. Take me with you. And I was like, oh, my God, I love it so much. It's so great. Because L.A. is so, like, you you go to the beach and you go to the desert and you go up to the mountains and you go surfing. And I was just like, New York, really, that doesn't take me with you. You're like, I'm going to the office. 
Mm-hmm. You're going to bring a bottle of vodka to the office. <laughs> you could, but you'd be a little crazy. Yeah. So it's just, it just doesn't really apply as well. Yeah. I mean, you could take it upstate, but it just, for LA, that works. Yeah. And I don't think it works as much here in New York. But it's a great slogan. So I love yeah. it. And, and you know, we all kind of like get behind each other when we do something great. We're all like, yo, that's rad. Yeah. Do it. You yeah. know, so, that's so nice to have that extra little bit of support and the little push. Like, yeah, that's a great idea. And especially people who are doing similar yeah. stuff, right? It's oh, like, we're all oh, yeah. doing the same stuff. Right. Yeah, we're like siblings, man. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's really cool. I like the Berliners are just, they're so far. I mean, all, all, because they're, they've been open the longest, but they're doing so many interesting things and they're already starting like collab labels with other brands. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, I got to get there. So it's it's like, you know what it is? It's like being a, 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 a an infant or a child and you kind of could walk <laughs> and you got like sounds in your mouth, but you can't really articulate the word. <laughs> you know, I feel like we're like this toddler that's just like, just about to start talking. Yeah. And once... You know, it's only been, like I said, it's only been three months. I'm just starting to formulate words. Yeah. And I'm going to just be like, blah, 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 and just start It's pretty talking. good. A three-month-old toddler yeah. making words. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about how the city has changed over time in general and how you've seen it change either through your own experience or through your friends' businesses? Well, I mean, again, people really make me laugh sometimes because they're like, oh, my God, I miss the old New York. And I'm like, really? I was here when it sucked. I really don't miss it. I don't, I mean, sure, great. You know, it's not what it used to be. But it has been evolving since the day the Dutch got here. Mm-hmm. Like I tell people all the time, I'm like, yo, you think the pilg? I was like, the pilgrims are the first hipsters. <laughs> I was like, did you see how tight their pants were? They had the big ass hats. They had beards. I was like, yo, that's a hipster. I was like, so think about it like that. The Dutch were like, oh my God, we got invaded by these hipster pilgrims. Oh my God, I hate them. <laughs> oh, they're taking over Brooklyn. And they took over Brooklyn. And literally, that's exactly what's going on right now. So you can't tell me that you didn't see this coming. Right. Because it's been happening. And it's New York was always evolving into this metamorphosis of the super city. Yeah. So it's going to happen regardless if you care or don't care. And it's either, you know, evolve or dissolve. Simple as that. So, you know, there have been a lot of different things that came and went. And that's just evolution, you know. Um, you know, I'm kind of happy a bunch of my friends are doing things. One of my friends, Brooks, has this amazing restaurant on Ninth Street called Superiority Burger. And, you know, he does great vegetarian food. I'm not a vegetarian. I just like good food. And, um, you know, he made a jokingly made a sandwich. They, they, there was a sandwich called the Sloppy Dave. And it was a joke because it was called the Sloppy Joe. And then one night they changed it being funny to Sloppy Dave, right? And they were like, oh, we're going to, you know, and then they sent me a video 
thinking that they would diss me and, and, and led me to believe that they would change it to my name. But then they forgot to change it the next day. And then the writer of the New York Times came in and ordered it. You know, I have a sloppy Dave. Wrote about it and was like, this is my favorite sandwich, the sloppy Dave. So then they had to keep it. So I beat them. So there's a sandwich called the sloppy Dave and it was because of a technicality. So, so you know, it's it's New York, man. And there wasn't, you know, we didn't have all this great food that we have now in the city. And I think that that's one of the changes that I do love. Mm-hmm. There's amazing chefs doing amazing things. There are amazing cocktail, you know, um, bars. There's amazing bartenders that are really taking it to the next level. And it's not just like, let me get a Jack and Coke. You know, people are getting these delicious gourmet cocktails. Yeah. And they're getting these delicious gourmet meals paired with those cocktails. Mm-hmm. Before, there wasn't like that. You know, mm-hmm. it, was, it, it was very limited. So yes, New York is constantly changing. And yes, I am all about it. Evolve or dissolve. Pick one. Simple. So you you grew up in New York. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. New York was kind of crazy. I mean, I was here when it sucked, you know, when the city was bankrupt and, you know, in the 70s, crazy era of just like, you know, where I lived in East New York, Brooklyn, it was sort of looked like Berlin after the war. Because what had happened was the city went bankrupt. And then a lot of these owners of buildings would burn the roof. They, they'd sought fires on the roof. And then it would burn through. So to give tenants the chance to get out, you know, and, and, and then they'd collect the insurance. And uh, so I, you know, it was just all these burned down abandoned buildings. So it really looked like Berlin. Yeah. You know, it was just crazy. And then, you know, and then graffiti started and it was like, oh, it was this new thing that was a fucking mess. And, and, and that's how I basically learned art was, you know, you know we because where I live was a few blocks away from the layups where they parked the trains at the end of the night, the A's and the C mm-hmm. trains. So we'd go down there and play tag and manhunt and, you know, mm-hmm. and then you find a spray can and you just, hey, I wrote my name on the wall, you know, you're a dick face, you know, <laughs> something stupid as a kid. And this is, you know, I'm eight, nine, ten. Right. And then 1980 happened. And then crack came about. Right. And then that was when it made it really interesting. And everything was about, like, you know, stay inside. Blah, blah, blah. You know, you're, you're, I mean, everybody had, was, was afflicted by it. You know, yeah. I had uncles and cousins and people, you know, and they were afflicted by this fucking drug. And mm-hmm. it fucked up a lot of families and killed a lot of people. And I saw a lot of, you know, unsavory things as yeah. a child. And I think the first time I saw somebody get killed, I think I was probably nine or ten. You know, some guy got shot right in front of me with a shotgun. It was pretty crazy. But that was the neighborhood. Yeah. And then then I found skateboarding. In the mid-80s, I found BMX and skateboarding. And um, that, you know, seeing those magazines of those kids in California riding these cool BMX bikes and skating. And I was just like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is so cool. And then I had to find other like-minded kids. And then I scoured different neighborhoods. And, you know, <laughs> it was like you find one kid with a skateboard, you and him were bros. Boom. 
And then we'd go to another neighborhood and get another two more kids. And then our crew is like, okay, we got four. And then and we just kept going in neighborhood to neighborhood, finding these kids. And then before I knew it, I was in, you know, Woodhaven, Queens, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out on Austin Street. And, you know, and I was B Dave. And um, and that got me out of the hood, you know, mm-hmm. because where I grew up, you know, there really wasn't much um opportunity. You know, there were very few scenarios you could fall into. Mm-hmm. You either were a drug dealer, and that was short-lived. You were a school scholar where you could become a doctor or a lawyer, you know. Uh, you could be a civil servant. You could be a fireman, a postal worker, or a police officer. And I didn't fall into any of those categories. And I was just like, hmm. And then that was this one thing, this piece of wood with a fucking four wheels and a BMX bike. It evolved into a BMX bike because I could go further. I could Uh travel more longer distance. And when I jumped, I could jump higher. It's a good reason. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything so far, you know, obviously you've just started, but is there anything so far that you wish people would say about you or that you, you know, a part of your story that you want to get out there that just isn't, isn't quite out there yet? Not really. I don't okay. really, I, I, like I said, man, I'm just a guy who's working a job. You know, I sell a product and that's, and, and as long as the product is quality, I'm cool with it. And I'm just going to work as hard as I can to sell that product. Mm-hmm. I'm not really, I don't, there's, you know, not much about me that, you know, I want people to know. I'm just every everybody knows everything about me. Mm-hmm. It's it's out there. You know, the information's out there. You could just Google like Dave Ortiz artist. Boom, comes up. All the shit I've done. So I don't really that's everything I've done. I'm working on what am I doing? Mm-hmm. And right now this is what I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. selling a vodka. I you know, and that's cool. And it's all it's just it's it's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that's what I want to plug. Go. I've been making pizzas. Wow. Yes. Sweet. And they're phenomenal. I believe it. They are banging. <laughs> and um, I learned how to make pizzas with our convection oven through a friend who is a top chef. Nice. His name is Alan Hall. I asked him, I said, hey, man, I need to make a pizza. I bought all this dough. <laughs> and he comes over and he's like, what do you think? You got two hours to make a pizza for somebody? He's like... <laughs> He's like, let me show you a faster way to do this. And he showed me a faster way to do a perfectly thin crust pizza. And I've been making them and giving them to people. So, like, if you come to the bar and you order cocktails, you get a free pizza. And people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make you a pizza. And they're like, yeah, you own this place (laughs) and you make pizza. I was like, yes, I do. Yes. (laughs) And they're like, cool. (laughs) <laughs> and I make these small personal pizzas. It's like mozzarella, ricotta, some good sauce, and then basil, olive oil. Boom. It's pretty fantastic. Sounds amazing. So, yeah, that's what I want to plug. Great. Okay. Thanks so much for being here, Dave. It's really cool. fun talking to you. Yeah, so it's very nice talking to you guys, and um, thank you for having me. Um, I'm very honored by this. I like to run my mouth, I guess. <laughs> I like to hear myself talk. (laughs) Now you can listen back. Yes, yes. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. My name is Ellie Cody, and this has been Manhattan Sideways. 
If you'd like to learn more about this particular business or to discover and read about thousands of other fascinating small businesses on the side streets of Manhattan, please visit our website, sideways.nyc, and of course, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, at NY Sideways.